Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Let's get fancy tonight. Hire a string quartet and grab a canapé from the cocktail servers. We're talking about Dom Perignon, the fanciest of champagnes. What is it that makes this bubbly wine so expensive? Well, put on your coat and tails and we'll get to the bottom of this exclusive drink. So if you have the means, have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. <laughs> and I'm Casey Price. I thought I thought my throat was clear. <laughs> hey, do you remember I have like a good solid <clears throat> uh, like 30 second lead in before I can start? I have to clear it before I start talking. Clear. <clears throat> so I guess uh, we, we clear the room there with uh, Bob's. Got COVID for the 29th time. <laughs> it's only the second time I've actually had it. No, no, oh, it's see, the 29th it, time. I thought it was the third, though, at least. Look, it's uh, the, the first time there was an exposure and everyone was so panicky because there were no tests uh. that I they, they locked me away for precautions. <laughs> so at best, I was non I was asymptomatic or at worst, I was asymptomatic. Second time I actually had it. That was New Year's on stream. <laughs> you can document it. <laughs> We, you can you can hear me lean over and say I can't smell anything. <laughs> now so I didn't actually lose my it. sense of smell. I was just so congested I couldn't, I could not smell anything. Those are different, different symptoms. And I'm my leading theory is you've got to stop licking sinks at truck stops. But they're so tasty. I realize it's an aphrodisiac, but come on. <laughs> oh, it's the. Only the finest of truck stops, though. Only Bucky's. <laughs> Bucky's is not a truck stop. Yeah, correct. True. What <laughs> you call it a rest stop, I guess. Uh, it's an experience, and you could eat off those sinks because there's li- like the attendant in that bathroom, literally just like he just does circles all day cleaning it. Like when once they they're like, "And I'm done cleaning." No, they just restart. <laughs> you can do a robot for that. So, yeah, I uh, I do have COVID. Well, actually, I'm on... Today was, my, I think, my last day of quarantining. Hmm. So I think you're uh, past. You probably don't test positive anymore if you took another one. Yeah, I, I'm probably out of the woods now. Um, I am clear to go back to work next week, uh, which is handy because the week after that, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a... a, a a uh, mutual friend of ours put it when I told him I had this, like, oh, so a nice little uh, COVIDcation. 
<laughs> it's like uh, kinda. Uh, no, t- uh, Monday I was at work and I was slowly losing my voice. As bad as I may sound now, I guarantee you this is the best I've sounded in days. <laughs> as bad uh, as you said now, he's like, it's yeah. it's seriously it's the uh, uh, Phoebe from that episode of Friends when she gets cold. Because mm-hmm. your voice has like this rasp to it. It's not like a, it doesn't sound like sick. You just have this rasp. It's like you've had a, had a hard life. The last, uh, now you can sing soulfully. Yeah. The last couple days when I tried to tell someone I was, I was, I'm doing better. And they always, it was like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing fine now. And like, they're, fire. they're like, you are not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I completely lost my voice end of Monday, start of uh, uh, into you know Tuesday morning, and uh, coworker and friend of mine uh, told me that she had tested positive, uh, and we had just seen each other that Saturday, and we had been at the co- company Christmas party the Thursday before, <laughs> and went. As soon as she sent it to me, I was like, I'm glad I've stocked up on at-home tests. And I grab one, wait a few minutes while I'm lying in bed going, it's fine. I've probably just got like a sinus infection. I've got like a little bit of a fever. I'm shaking a bit, though. <laughs> and I get up. I check the results. I was like, no, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, I got it, too. Okay. So uh, just been staying inside this whole week and ordering uh, a lot of takeout. Which led to an interesting problem yesterday. I have probably fed at least two households in my apartment complex and didn't get my delivery once. Oh my god. I, I ordered something off of, I think it was DoorDash. They send my delivery in. Well, they, you know, I can track it online. They said they show up, like, okay, they're, they're there. They send a text that says, like, it's been dropped off. And I went, but they didn't send a picture. I was like, hmm, odd. And I go, you know, I go looking around outside, not there. Kind of listen around, not there. Go back inside for wait a couple minutes and just be like, all right, let's let's just maybe they they sent the text saying they're there too soon. Just give it a few more. Go back out about like five ten minutes later, still not there. So I just go on there online and say, hey, I didn't get my food. Can you just reorder? Just resend it. I've paid you once. Yeah. Give me that. Give me what I paid for. But sure, they fast-tracked it to someone else who came up, took a picture. The picture they have has no doormat. We have a doormat in front of our door. (laughs) So you're immediately like, my God. I was like, hmm, okay. So I go outside, look, it's not there, it's not out mine. I, I look at the picture, there was only one other spot in my building that it could be. That door is locked. (laughs) <laughs> that front door is locked because we have this weird double front door situation what I call the airlock uh, that that one was locked so I was like okay they put it in some other building wow. I went back in I got in, got in touch with their customer service and said hey can you just refund me my initial money oh well we did the refund we did the redeliver so we can't oh my god we can give you credit to use a service that won't give me my food like, oh, it'll be fine. I swear to God, if I do this a third time, 
I just gave up. I just made a sandwich that night. I, I went out to the kitchen and just brought food material back into my room because I have a roommate and I do not exist out in the rest of the apartment when I have COVID. I just lock myself in my room. If I step out of there, I have a mask on. Yeah. But Jeez. I was, I just kept looking at it going like, there's just a number of people who, because they, I, that, that 100% was somewhere in this complex, that second picture. I know it got brought somewhere here. So someone got themselves a chicken sandwich last night on me. Uh, two people. At least, maybe two. I, I'm not convinced the first one, first one could have just been a bad delivery person going, nah, it's mine now. I don't know where they're at. Which one? Well, there's one. Well, it's still that, technically they got that. So there's one service that we've quit using because they could never get it right and they just wouldn't refund us. Uh, Uber Eats. Uber Eats, yeah. They wouldn't give us a refund or anything. We're like, you literally, like, we have the entire wrong order. Yeah. And they're like, but you got an order. So, yeah. So we're like, <laughs> yeah. We're like, but you got an order. That's, that's fine, right? Yeah, and you got a baby. It doesn't matter if it's yours. Right. DoorDash has been a little iffy lately too, but not. They're not. It's not as bad, but yeah, we've definitely had a lot of issues lately. We can't get little Caesars delivered through DoorDash because they never get it right, and I'm just like, what? What the hell? I don't understand. How do you get a little Caesars order wrong? I don't. I don't know. Well, so we ordered like. You order little Caesars. The the stand. Well. Well. Look, it's tasty. Okay, they never uh, give us our crazy bread. Ah, uh, like, and we okay, have we have a child who only eats carbs, <laughs> so it, it's a problem when he Look, like starts screaming because he was expecting his bread stick, breadsticks, and they don't show up. We're like, we got pizza. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> He's just, he'll throw it down on the floor. Be like, want my breadstick? Fairness. God. Crazy bread is probably better than the pizza. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's, if you're not getting extra most bestest, yeah, it definitely is. But yeah, did did you know? Because I didn't know this. The pizza pizza slogan mm-hmm. stems from a campaign where if you ordered one pizza, you got a second pizza. Hmm. I vaguely recall that. I don't. I just I was watching the other day a, a YouTube video about Little Caesars something or marketing and pizza or something. I can't remember. They. But that, that surprised me. I They've always been like the the very cheap option. Like yeah, you yeah. you get more for your your buck there. I think it's always been how like, they've tried to the Bigfoot the the pizza by the foot. I mean, come on, mm. that was we all remember that we grew up with that. The the hot and ready was their uh, mm. was uh, really what what solidified them in the modern era, though. But I was blown away to learn the hot and ready <laughs> uses actually um, a more premium cheese mixture. Than the regular, maybe because it's got to sit around for a while. Because yeah. the um, what was it? The regular ones just use it's seriously just like a Parmesan mozzarella blend. That's it. And there's a it's a Parmesan mozzarella like Gruyere blend that goes into the hot and ready's. I feel like the margin uh, on the food cost though for the breadsticks has to be so high that. Like, you know, they, they know, like, like yeah, we'll give away pizza so you'll buy breadsticks. Yeah. Because you're going to buy crazy bread. I can see that. I like anyone tuning in now is like, the hell is this show even about? We don't know. It's a, it's, it's a currently about Little Caesars. That's <laughs> Little Caesars economics. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be a podcast episode somewhere. All right. Well, uh, how, about, how about you guys? How about people who have had exciting lives? 
Like, well, it looks like there's none of those on this call. So. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> exciting. Life. Uh, you know, like the most exciting thing that's happened to me that I can talk about on stream. Um, because there are the trials and tribulations of us attempting to purchase a condo. That it's hopefully coming to a close soon. I'm not going to swear to anything. Oh my God. But I'm hoping it's coming to a close. And everyone, like every step of the way, everyone's like, that's just what buying a house is like. And it's, why the hell does it have to be like this? <laughs> like, there is no excuse. Invent the Carvana model for houses. Right? It's, it's I want a house complicated. Like, uh, granted, there are dozens of extenuating circumstances throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Like, it is just rife with them. But, no, it shouldn't be this complicated. Um, but the thing that has brought me joy through all this, other than my child looking uh, at me in the rearview mirror on our way home yesterday, uh, as first off, as we passed a tire shop and going, Dad, pull over. I want to go there. I'm like, <laughs> you, you need some tires? <laughs> I want to get something for Mom. I want to get Mom something special. Yeah, and I'm like... I don't know what to do with this, but okay. <laughs> but just like the sentiment, and I was just like, oh, and then I walk in and look at Brittany, and I'm like, so you ready to have your heart broken? Because <laughs> like, our child just looked at me <laughs> dead in the face, and was like, I want to get mom something special. So me and Emmett held hands and walked down to one of the local shops, and he bought her uh, little Christmas light bulb earrings that light up. Yeah. But <laughs> you no, know, you missed the adorableness of that, because it was me and him in the store he wanted to get her a ceramic rainbow piggy bank. I was like, why didn't this happen? <laughs> well, I was trying to get you a handmade uh, clay coffee mug. And that's what I was kept showing to him. Like, huh? huh? You want to get mom this? He's probably like, it's a mug, dad. Like, but then he, like, have cups. Those, he, said. he saw the like, <laughs> those earrings. I was just like, these, these. And then I'm like, okay. And then I'll let him, he was the one, he goes up there and like had to stand on his tippy toes to push it up on the counter and <laughs> it was adorable. <laughs> but other than that, um, I discovered I could cry watching a YouTube documentary about the Disney Channel theme. <laughs> oh. And if you don't watch Defunctland, I don't think we can oh. connect as human beings. <laughs> He did. He did like almost an hour long documentary about the Disney Channel theme and about trying to find find out who wrote that. It's like a four note jingle, and it. I was. I had. I had an hour and a half to kill, and I was, and I ended up watching it. And like twenty minutes in, I realized I'm hooked. I did not care when I started this. I had. I was just like, you know what? He makes good content. And sure That's enough, what he's good at. Yeah. He's looping min- you into this one little tiny nuance. 20 minutes in, I'm hooked. 45 minutes in, I'm crying. <laughs> and I'm like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, go watch that. <laughs> just, I'm sure you can just go to YouTube and put Disney Channel theme. And it'll first thing, I'm sure the first hit will be Defunct Land. But he did bring up the thing that I have... I actually don't have any guilt. I'm going to say guiltily, but I have no guilt. It is just, I don't know, I love to consume it. But you can find these entire channels on YouTube that it's just retro commercials. Oh, the the yep. feels going through that. You're like, man, am I like, am I 12 years old 
having stayed up till 3 a.m. again watching Married with Children on Fox <laughs> because it's all those commercials just like coming back at you. And you're like, God, this is so good. But yeah, that's that's the high points of my last couple weeks. Brittany? I've had, aside from, uh, there's been some issues lately, as, as anyone has, especially sometimes it turns out this time of year. But uh, highlights, I had an awesome uh, last week before two weeks of vacation at work. And because uh, my boss was there and like, which is a big deal for me because like she lives in Texas. So like she only mm-hmm. comes in like once a month. Um, but uh, and we had a holiday party. It was really fun. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I had fun time at work and um, uh, I won some stuff from the pr- holiday party prizes, which I was like... I won like a $15 Chipotle gift card and it was like sick. Nice. Um, yeah. I was like, that's, that's a winner right there. Uh, oh. And beyond that is just like us, like watching stuff. I am one of the apparently large amount of people. Um, I am almost finished with the Wednesday series on Netflix. Boo. <laughs> Stop judging me. Boo. <laughs> There's no Boo judgment. This that's, woman. that's, that's tailor made for something that you would probably enjoy. To be fair that like, honestly, Jenna Ortega as Wednesday, like I was, I was hesitant. She's really good. Like she, she nails the, she nails this, the like flat expression oh. situation. Like she can say a lot with her eyes. It seems, I don't know. Are, but, are you disappointed uh, that Aubrey Plaza never got a chance to do a Wednesday say. Adam? No, it needed to be her. I, because of, no, I, I'm, I actually think now after watching it, it's Wednesday. It, it's the chick that they cast is perfect. I just meant, you know, Years back, not currently. Oh yeah. Um, I, thinking about it, I think Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza would have been good, but at the same time, she kind of has this like, I don't know. She has actual energy as opposed to just. She gives off the vibe of like, just like kind of, the, just the resting bitch face all the time. Whereas like with, I feel like with Wednesday, you have to have like this utterly neutral face a lot for like saying the craziest shit <laughs> fair enough and so i'm like okay no that it, the, this chick nails it so I, I guess i think what you're trying to say is so wednesday wednesday's more of a it's so straight faced you can't tell if she's judging you so you're assuming she's judging you whereas aubrey plaza you know it, exactly you know what, she's yeah. judging you yeah she takes like the mean girls approach which is and then like the this approach is like completely different and also, I love sure. that Christina Ricci is in this show, uh, and like literally the opposite of what she could ever be for <laughs> the Wednesday character that she played. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's wonderful. I guess yeah, also for the watching. I think things. that's pretty much. It. Oh yeah, the we talked a little bit before. We don't want to like hog up all the time. Yeah, but. pre-show we were talking. Uh, we watched a Christmas Story Christmas, and we're completely blown away and surprised by it. If you've seen, if you've seen the original, just Christmas Story. And it doesn't even matter if you liked it. You could be one of those people who hate it. Watch a Christmas story Christmas. Yeah, it's yeah. it's good. It's funnier than mm-hmm. it had any right to be. And um just like a reminder, since the first movie took place in the forties, this one takes place in the seventies. So and it's, um without it's, spoiling anything, it's it's Ralphie as an adult and a family, and events have brought him back to Indiana to his hometown for Christmas. Yeah. 
And really it's good. and it's seriously all the surviving cast from the original are back. And you you will be surprised about how <laughs> how good it's it's only on HBO Max, so if you better be ponying up for that or know someone who has ponied up for that, like we have. <laughs> I know who it could be. And it's hard to find because for some reason, despite it being a Max original, they don't advertise it on the site at all. It's not thrown at you anywhere. We had to go and search it, and on the original search, it tries to throw us that like bad 90s Christmas Story 2 thing. And we're like, no, that's not it at all. <sighs> so, yeah. Casey. Okay. Mm. Uh, we did uh, the normal like week stuff this week. Had school. I'm sorry. Had uh, work Christmas party stuff, which was fun and interesting for a, an all remote company to do. So <laughs> um, it ended up being like bingo once a day, and then we had like just little get togethers and and then on Wednesday we had trivia. So our team did decent. We didn't win at all, but our team did pretty well. Um what kind of trivia was it? You know, it was we started off with general knowledge, which was extremely difficult. And then cuz we got into like really intense questions about leader world leaders in the 1800s that I was like, "Oh, oh that's come who." Come on. So what you're saying you would have done well. Yeah. Uh, Bob would have been your phone a friend. <laughs> then we got into like nerds and geeks and um, there was a president's section with four answers. Um, what you should have done was just said, hi, I, I reserve the right to give all of my, to have these two people answer my questions. And you just have me and Chris on there. There you go. It works out well. <laughs> um, the one president question was what four presidents were, First name, last name, start with the same letter. Wow, that's Herbert Hoover, uh, Calvin Coolidge. Uh, <clears throat> I would have already lost. Let's see. It's gonna take me a minute to run through all of them. Let's <laughs> let's continue on. I can. Yeah. The one that stumped us was Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Huh. Yeah. I I was gonna have to start back and kind of work my way down my my president's yep. list. And it was a quick, um, I think we probably had close to a minute to answer all four. So um, my, my start at the beginning and work my way forward as I could remember them did not work very well getting to Reagan. It's, it's, it's easy to do, uh, to do a list of presidents that way, though. Yeah. Uh, you, if you don't have to start all the way at the beginning, you just need to, like, you can reconstruct around the presidents, too. You can, you know, you'll know one, 16, uh, and 35 and you should be able to kind of reconstruct presidents around that. Because that's Washington, Lincoln, uh, JFK. Yep. And that's when they introduced the hydro encabulator. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not even explain that. Uh, just let it roll. Oh, <laughs> but tomorrow, we're going to go and rewatch. Paw Patrol for a second time live because oh. they're in another city that is semi-close and I know it will make the kids happy so Emmett, I want to go sit through that once more. Emmett is so jealous and brace yourself because the second Paw Patrol movie is coming next year. Oh. So it's the uh, it's all the it's the Mighty Pups movie. 
Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be the superhero dogs again. But I'm, so, I'm pretty <clears throat> pumped for all the times I'm gonna be able to take Emmett to the movies this year. Mario, mm-hmm. for who knows how many times. Like I'm pretty sure we'll just be we'll walk in and be like, how much to just sit in that theater and watch it every time it plays? <laughs> Can I get a season pass? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And Paw Patrol, and there was something else. And I was like, well, we're just living at the movies this year. So uh, this is reminding me that uh, while I was recovering, I watched an episode of uh, – uh, there's a show on the – used to be College Humor, the dropout thing uh, they have. They do a game show called I'm um Actually where oh, yeah, you yeah. make mm-hmm. nerdy corrections. I've shown you guys this before. Yeah, and they have to they, answer not in the form of a question, but – um, actually. um, actually, they did one that was all, uh, 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 uh kid show themed because they were like they had parents on. Mm. They said, "See how well you <clears throat> have, like, you know, gone through your life and you know, with your children and like what you remember from these shows." Well, and they they had uh, there were two things I remember from that. One was them trying to figure out Paw Patrol, and the one of them was like, like they like, they had to figure like. Wait no, one of them doesn't drive a. Uh, like they had like, wait no, where's the, where's the recycling car, dog? And they went, why is that an emergency? <laughs> because it, uh, it, I mean, it happens sometimes, you know. There is a and whole then, episode about uh, them tra- the beach getting trashed, and they need Rocky to clean it up because that and is the, uh, Rocky. Green means the, go. Uh, <laughs> The other thing they had said in there was uh, that there's two things they have they have uh, learned from like one of the the guy running it to say there's two things I've learned from all of my parent friends which is uh, Bluey slaps and Coco Melon is is an abomination. <laughs> yeah, that's Bluey does slap. <laughs> we are still yeah. just like anytime we even turn it on in this household now we're just like where's the rest of season three. We because we did an we did an I account to get season three as it was airing in Australia because we're like we ain't waiting for this like we're gonna lie we we live in Melbourne give us <laughs> give us the account it was, it was Brisbane, I got to see it actually. Brisbane <laughs> and we saw it and that we we know that like there's so many more good episodes that they've not given to us oh come on Disney all right so Casey Paw Patrol Paw Patrol you're, you're... live and. Kids are gonna love I, it. I yeah, Paw Patrol on ice. I wish it'd be so much better. <laughs> At least those people have talent. Oh, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I so there was a day uh, I didn't work the show, but I remember the the there's a day at the Mac, the Mountain Art Center back home, where the other guys in the staff because it was a school day, but they had like a, a Veggie Tale show there, and oh. they, one of the guys got high before he went back. <laughs> and, like they were in costume. He's like, I am. Too high to see a seven foot tall cucumber walking around. <laughs> they had to open up bay doors for that thing, by the way, because it couldn't fit. You can't bend in that costume, <laughs> and they couldn't fit through. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. I thought for a minute you were going to say the cucumber was getting high, or one of the veggies was getting high, where it's the uh, like overtly. Toads. Look, I, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were, but I wasn't there to see that information. All I knew is the information from... Okay, my time working in children's entertainment, well, I was just working in entertainment, but uh, I had to clean out the performers' dressing rooms in one previous job, and I'm still scarred 
by the pictures in the dressing rooms for Sesame Street Live for the from the performers. It was uh yeah, a lot of hermaphroditic pornography uh stuck to all the mirrors. Yeah. Um I mean, we've learned that uh Sesame Street folks weren't as uh <laughs> Yeah, there's some stuff going on. Uh, they had nothing to do with the Jim Henson company. Like it, this, these were just like Yeah, it's all program. licensed yeah. entertainment. Yeah. But well, <clears throat> believe find a segue. Well, actually, we don't need a segue. We've got announcements. Oh, we do have we an do. announcement. Yes. Um, New Year's Eve. Uh, we do it every year. Come on, come on. Well, the world does New Year's Eve every year. Um, but we are doing the Diamond Club New Year's Eve Streamathon, as always, Woo. benefiting Children's Miracle Network. Help the kids. And uh, yeah, uh, what's our time slot? Seven thirty. Seven thirty. We we are in a magical a magical time slot, to where like you can catch uh, Mike TV delivering the goods, and then you can catch the morning stream, and then you can catch uh, Good Day Internet, Tom Merritt and Sarah Lane, and then right after you're gonna get us. It's, it's just like a power couple-hour block. We're going to be probably raided from the people who were just watching Tom and Sarah. And I'm like, yeah. like if he even says our name, which I guess he has to, but... Someone, yeah. I'm going to throw up. He will refuse to. <laughs> uh, and then from... And stay tuned for whoever. I, can, I, don't, I can't remember who's who's after us, but I do know... More good like, stuff. It's uh, More it good stuff. And then Marbles. Marbles later after that. that. But yeah, it's... Um, Oh crud! I just looked at urgh. I just looked at the schedule and I was like, "Man, we always go right after each other." Oh uh, come on! No, I'm not gonna. Ah, someone cover kill time. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll we'll be we'll be raising money. We've got a we've got a fun fun thing. I think we've got some may have some guests on ours. Yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll... that all works out. And Vod, that, squad. That... Vod squad, Vod squad, Vod squad, yes. It. Because they always either go right before us or right after us. So yeah, from from day one, that's how it's always been. I feel like I think they were like maybe right after us in the the, the first time or something. But yeah, but yeah, ours is uh, we're gonna have the organizers on of the whole thing. Kent Namus from Ritual Misery, and it's gonna be a blast because we're gonna go through a vertical of Dark Lord. I was gonna say I didn't know if we wanted to go ahead and say it just to say it was something special. But, uh, no. Oh no! There's gonna be something special. I I slipped oh, them okay. each. If you tune into this show, you might get what I'm laying down. But I slipped them each uh, a surprise vial, just labeled uh, with three X's, oh, so they no. don't know what it is. We did You're an episode. Just to get rid of it. But because it's legally not allowed to be poured down the toilet. <laughs> because, It'll make well, it so clean. Well, we'll announce what it is on that stream, and we'll also work out a, a figure that they'll get to say, and they'll shoot it. I'm writing a check that their asses have to cash on stream uh, if that number is met. I'm sure they'll do it. But uh, uh, if if you watched any of our show or listened to any of our show this year, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. So where are we getting the Chinese food from? <laughs> I mean, Amerasia, is there anywhere else? Okay, just making sure. With all that soy sauce, we got to have Chinese food. <laughs> that should be a test, uh, like to just dip the so dumplings no, in 
the, the Dark Lord. <laughs> Straight into the Dark Lord. I mean, you could try it. Uh, I mean, you wait. know what? That might not be bad. <laughs> so that's, that's why we got a vertical. We're going to put it all to a test. We've got the uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022, and we're going to we're going to rock Get through it. those bad boys. I think three to five year is the sweet spot. We're going to a lot of my preconceptions have been thrown out the window in the past couple of years. So don't know. It might. I, I changed my ideas about uh, cellared beer, and I'm now fresh as best. So let's see if let's, my mind uh, gets changed on this. Yeah, let's let's see how much I'm willing to chug for charity this year. Chug for charity. There but it is. Also, stay safe. I, I'm locked in your all's <laughs> place. The only danger I have is alcohol poisoning. That's when he does right, the. That's. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here I, with me. That's what I say to the beer when Chris opens up the fridge. Anyway, let's let's get started. Oh, I'm going to have to work on my tolerance. The rest of the champagne? No, and it's pronounced champagne. Oh, God, no! Uh, cut off the I'd beginning love. of it. It's fine. I brought a I brought a six pack of champagne and a funnel. <laughs> One of the best lines fries ever delivered. All right. Well, since we are talking about Domberion, uh let's let's talk about the method. The prestige. The Sorry. method um, man. <laughs> Yeah, Method Man. He invented Dom Perignon. What about Red Man? Uh, he just enjoys it. <laughs> uh, there is a recurring myth that Dom Pierre Perignon was the first person to create this method of... Is this supposed to be Champagnois? The Method Champagnois. Champagnois. Okay. I, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be a word, but I don't know it. So... I also uh, typed it for memory and didn't spell check, so there's that. It's fine. Google doesn't know what this is supposed to be, so... Uh, Let's switch to French Google. Le Google. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to get him. I don't know how I knew. I was like, he's going to find this joke dumb and he's going to laugh. Anyway, uh, the proce- this is the process by which champagne uh, and sparkling wines can be crafted today. That is untrue. But that is not to say that the person uh, we will learn from today and the wine brand that bears his name were not instrumental in the way that sparkling wines look, feel, smell, and taste. We're missing how they how do they sound though? It's the, <laughs> the last sense we have to engage. You know that's that's one that also he would have he would have changed there. I think that, I think if, without without any eye uh, without any um, uh, joking. There, it is absolutely him that created the pop sound as well. Okay, because I was going to say, like, I feel like uh, what I remember from an old episode of Three Sheets is you should not be like popping that thing out and spraying it everywhere. It should be a very gentle. No, you've got to pop. You got to shake it real good before. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Anyway, his achievements are substantial, even if this one aspect is untrue. Before we speak about one of the most famous wine brands today, let's talk <clears throat> about let's talk about a brief history of Champagne. I mean, Champagne. Uh, the original inventor of sparkling wine may have actually been an Englishman named Christopher Merritt. Uh, 
Brother of one Thomas. Man. Tom. <laughs> it's like, who got it in their head? Okay. Actually, it's the reason we all pause. Like, brother's name is Tim. So, Christopher Tim Merritt. Uh, no, Doxy Christopher Merritt. Uh, over here. Jeez. Christopher Merritt, scientist, physician, naturalist, metallurgist. Uh, that's a. Who, uh, in 1662, first documented the how to put the fizz into sparkling wine. That is very much of that time. Like Everyone's like, oh, look at all the various titles they have. That did not mean they did all of those things well. Mm. Just meant that they did all of them. I mean, your your barber was also there to you know give you root canals. So. Now you say in that time, your barber was also a surgeon. Right. Uh, He's got sharp knives. That's all you need. <laughs> And ways to clean them. I was like, I just got Sweeney Todd in my head. I say he also makes meat pies. Uh, this may uh, not be a surprise for those who know for uh, alcohol manufacturing. The process to create sparkling wine is much the same as those used to create carbonated beer. Uh, the original source juice is fermented completely dry without any carbonation, major carbonation. The still wine will then be placed into a bottle with a small amount of sugar and potentially some fresh yeast can be added. This bottle is then capped and allowed to re-ferment in the bottle. Uh, this process is used for bottle conditioning for beers or even cask ales. Uh, in the case of uh, Rio Ale in Britain, the sugar source uh, would be fresh, unfermented wort. Uh, <clears throat> the re-fermentation in the bottle would add carbonation, but also create some additional yeast settlement in the bottle itself. Something uh, that is less uh, sighty. Uh, sightly. Thank you. <laughs> Wasn't sure where that one was going. Uh, I, I fixed a. L I, I went through a lot of typos. There was a couple where I was like, I don't know what this is supposed to be. Yeah, so the other languages, written. you you just like I don't. That could. Who knows? I don't. But that's when we there, come there's... back to the retro and cabulator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when thinking of a. Uh, quality wine, one does not usually want to see chunks of yeast cloud their glass as uh, if they are enjoying a Hefeweizen. I mean, I would prefer a Hefeweizen, so. Uh, wine is usually meant to be perfectly brilliant in clarity. Jeez. Says the snobs. I want me some uh, two-buck dom. <laughs> Just imagine if you've got the New England wine group coming along here in a few years. Uh, uh. No. <laughs> I, I put, I don't even a wine person. I put my foot down. <laughs> Get you some of that hazy uh, sparkling uh. wine. We joke, but it's coming. Is, isn't that, at that point, isn't it just like, Grape must. <laughs> That's yeah. We've got to go through iteration. We've got to go through iterations first. We need a very aggressive uh, uh, must. We have to have must wine first. God. Then, then what? you're gonna have hazy must wine. What was the one that Dog so you have? A, you have an East Coast and a West Coast must. Um. Oh, dog. <laughs> the. Oh, what was it? It was really good, actually. But... Oh, it was. It was delicious. Because they had one that was barrel-aged that just, like, knocked my socks off, and then they never made it again. Oh, I can't remember it. it go on, go on. I'm... Well, to solve this issue, 
and to get the excess yeast out of the bottle while maintaining maintaining carbonation, there's a process called racking. Uh, this is where the bottle is turned upside down and turned to allow the yeast uh, and trub to fall into the neck of the bottle over time and eventually right up against the cap and open opening at the top. Once the set, uh, settlement has... The sediment, I guess, uh, has concentrated to the very top of the bottleneck. It'll be dipped into an extra cold solution. Uh, anyway, uh, today we use a glycol solution to get, uh, which can get uh, well below freezing point of the wine. This process freezes a tiny plug into the neck of the bottle, which contains, uh, contains ice from the wine and all the sediment. Uh, the... Uh, the cellar uh, master will then flick off the metal bottle cap containing all of the wine and pressure. This causes the plug of se uh, sediment to be shot out of the bottle, and uh, there will be some release of gas from the wine with this. But the cellar master is quick and careful to rescue the bottle with a mushroom-shaped cork and a wire metal cage. Uh, the sparkling wine is then ready to be washed and labeled. Same thing happens to me when I eat White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> we dip you into a frozen thing of glycol, <laughs> freeze the freeze the butt, and then allow you to. Because this this causes the plug of sediment to be shot out. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I've eaten the White Castle, it's not been a plug. It's been closer to uh, a, a, a well. Let's just say it's less solid. <laughs> it should. You wished it was a plug. It's it's more of a uh, uh, a slip and slide in the rectum. Lasts for days. Oh god! Gets into the curtains. <laughs> Sometimes White Castle's worth the diarrhea. Okay. Nope. All right. Well, let's get into the dom. No, not the don. The dominatrix. I mean, dom. Well, Perignon, the person, did not invent this method. He is known for many improvements to its process. Dom Perignon was born in 1638 in what is now known as Champagne, France, to a devout Catholic family who also happened to own several vineyards in the region. I feel like for the time period, that's just like... I was going to say like a devout Catholic family. Yeah, and? <laughs> yeah, it's like... I mean, they're, they're, I guess Huguenots exist, but France was real, real uh, 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 stringent about killing all of them. So they usually didn't get to keep land. <laughs> oh, man. Well, he was baptized at a year old. He made it to a year. Hey, look at that. Hey, if you get past that mark, you'll probably live at least to your 20s. And then if you survive any wars and diseases, maybe a good while if you're rich. And grew up highly influenced by the church. Also water wet. <laughs> Joining the boys' choir as a child, studying as a Jesu at a Jesuit college, and then at age of 17, he entered the Benedictine order near Verdun. Oh, God. Sorry, I just hear that. He's a few centuries away from, from yeah. Verdun being... He, he it, dodged that bullet by a couple centuries. But by, by 300 years. Which... Still is a close call. I mean, that's too <laughs> close enough, for comfort. It's enough shelling that happened in Verdun to uh, uh, to travel back in time. Ugh. 
taking on a lifelong vow of prayer, study, and manual labor. So, I, I honestly, like, I stop and think about that, and I'm like, he may have uh, been, been part of one of our last year's series of Trappist episodes then. Yeah, he was in a Benedictine, yeah. Uh, as Perignon began into his 30s, he was transferred to the Abbey St. Pierre did Hotzvillers? Hotzvillers. I don't know. I'm putting a like Austrian twist on it. No, no, I don't need to. And took on a job uh, that some sources label as treasurer, while others pin as cellarer. I mean... That's where the treasure is. Potatoes, alcohol, you know, they're the same thing in Russia. Uh, what is known, <laughs> however, is Perignon would work at the Abbey and improve the products offered while also doubling the size of the vineyard holdings. The term Dom or Don is a title with the background from Roman Republic in classical antiquity. Okay. It is not Perignon's name, but instead a title. So like Caesar or Merlin. Uh, reserved for his educational well, authority and distinction. Caesar was also a name. Yeah. But then became... Uh, it's, yeah. As mentioned, Perignon did not invent the method of giving wine a sparkle in the bottle, but he did see the problems that the process had. There were issues of the wine getting too cool and halting fermentation in the bottle, leaving it too sweet. I don't know. I like sweet wine. Um, if the wine was corked and sent out at this stage, it would reawaken the yeast when brought into a warm home and they would see fermentation begin again. Just picture them. I think, huh? I don't know. For some reason, I, I got the Terminator theme. It would reawaken the yeast. And so in the back of my mind, it was like, dun, 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 dun. I was, I was getting Dracula vibes. Terminator Dracula's, you know, that's really what we've got to look out for. Uh, we've seen this happen in too many of the sweet fruit-forward beers of today, yeah, <laughs> which exclaim, keep cold, as a warning on their labels. Uh, yeah, Casey, uh, I think you've got some uh, some of those in a, a fridge at your place right now that are known to be little, little bombs, if not <laughs> properly stored, <laughs> which also happened to me at one point. I can't remember, I think it was 450, that's where the... Yeah, 450 is the real notorious brewery for yeah. it. Because they just, like, cram all the fruit in there and don't pasteurize it. And then they're like, I don't know, we told you to chill it. When everyone's <laughs> like, I bought a whole case of this, and it all exploded. Yeah, I remember I remember uh, uh, other breweries just dunking on them at the time. Still are. And uh, now no one will go to the releases, and it gets distroed. And I still laugh at them. Uh, employees were in danger in the cellars in warming temperatures when one bursting bottle might set off a chain reaction of exploding glass. Now I'm just picturing like, like the action movie thing. It's like, it's like cascading yeah, I, bottle well, shattering. It's the guys that just running around corks flying at him. I'm picturing ah! the uh, 1600s French version of Chernobyl only set an abbey and it's all, it's all sparkling wine. <laughs> He oh. touched the 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 like oh god <laughs> like it's the holy hand grenade. <laughs> Bernion saw this issue and realized a thicker bottle 
would be able to contain the higher pressures of sparkling wine. But Perignon was also looking at ways to completely remove bubbles from wine when they did not need to be there. Perignon not only improved the process, but also the quality. He created a blending of grapes, which after his death were published into canon as the established blend. He made the claim that uh, Pinot Noir and Pinot Noir, a red grape, should be the sole grape for fine wines and perfected the art of extracting white juice from black grapes. He was one of the first to encourage blending of grapes instead of a sing instead of single varieties to balance sweetness, flavor, and acidity. Perignon also made the change from wooden closures for the wine to corks. And that's where I said it, the noise also, or the sound, yeah. because the wood would not seal very well and you wouldn't get that pop. Like <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine it would. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Perignon made leaps forward in vineyard management, uh, stating vines should be pruned to no higher than three feet so they would produce a smaller but higher quality crop. Harvests should be done in cool, damp conditions while treating the grapes with care. Grapes, which had started to rot or grow too large, were thrown out. He also switched from a foot maceration to multiple presses to help keep the skins intact and separate the juice. He also did not like adding additional additives to his wine, favoring an all-natural process. I get the impression that this man was... uh... Real pleasant to work with. <laughs> yeah. Not not at all a drag on <laughs> other people at the Abbey. They weren't all just like... I wonder why he was moved and when he was 30. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want him anymore. I feel like it wasn't voluntary, yeah. Oh, if we would have... Uh, if we would have a job title for Prenyon that matched with today's nomenclature, he may be more akin to an operations manager or a process <laughs> improvement manager. While he was in charge of many aspects of wine production, his main role was to improve the income of the Abbey and develop better ways to accomplish their goals. As with many inventions, the person who actually created the technology or process may not be the one to receive the credit. Is instead the one who, like Edison, improves it to where it is a better and more viable product. This is, or just has someone else make it for him. <laughs> yeah, he just uh, kind of got the rights to it all. He, yeah, he. Why invent something when someone else could invent them, and then you pay them for that and have the idea patent? Exactly. <laughs> this is possibly why Perignon so often gets the credit for inventing sparkling wine upon his death. In 1715, he was buried in a special section of the abbey traditionally reserved only for the abbots. This honor shows how highly regarded his work and dedication was among his peers and fellow monks. And they just said, thank God he's finally gone. I All I was thinking up. of is uh, when they go into that place, they just go, hey, abbot! <laughs> hey, abbot! I hate that guy. <laughs> uh well, uh, while the man himself lived in the 1600s, the brand, Dom Perignon, did not have commercial movement until the early 1900s. The champagne, pro- champagne producer uh, Mercier 
owned the name and the brand, but they were not utilizing it. When Francine Durant-Mercier married uh, Paul Chandon, Chandon? Not sure. Uh, in 1927, the brand was given to the Moet and Chandon family as a wedding gift. Okay. <laughs> also, I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't get the names this time. Oh yeah, no, it's all me now. Um, in 1935, 300 bottles of a 1926 vintage precursor to Dom Perignon was sold to Simon Brothers and Company, the company that imported uh, Moet in the United Kingdom. The importer gave two bottles to each of their 150 best customers to commemorate their centenary. While these bottles were almost identical to the subsequent Dom Perignon releases, they did not display the Dom Perignon name. Rather, quote, champagne specially shipped for Simon Brothers and Company centen- centenary, wow, 1835 to 1935, end quote. The wine got immediate attention in the marketplace, and 100 boxes of the 1921 vintage were shipped to the U.S. shortly after, this time displaying the Dom Perignon name. They arrived on the Normandy Ocean liner. The person receiving these boxes was James Buchanan Duke. The pre- oh. That's a name. Uh, the billionaire who had founded the American Tobacco Company. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh. Yeah. He, that guy. He wanted to go to flavor country. <laughs> Indeed. In June 2004, 17 <laughs> bottles from this lot, which the billionaire's daughter had kept in her cellar, were sold at an auction. They fetched around 7,600 per bottle. Uh, this brand stood at the top of the line for Mut and Shendon, or their, oh, Jesus Christ, uh, Pet de Cuvée. I'm sorry. Uh, this brand was aged longer than many others, aging being around seven to eight years before release. The brand has also only releases a vintage when it is excellent. This means if a certain year doesn't have the high quality characteristics they expect for the brand, then there is no release for that year. And they drain pour that. Like, Useless. Uh, between 1921 and 2009, only 43 vintages have been released. That's, hired, a, that's, a, that's a stretch there. They hired Gordon <laughs> Ramsay to come in and give them the opposite of a pep talk. I really want to uh, find out the years they did not. <clears throat> they did not do vintages. Mm. And just just for like gags and something, just be like, oh, yeah, I have a bottle of, you know, <clears throat> 1943 Dom Perignon. They're like, oh, that doesn't exist. Um, you need, you need to do like three or four years though. Oh, I've got 1949, 1942 and 1948. Um, and that way it's like, yeah. you, you can't be like three for three and getting the vintages wrong. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I want this as, that's a great inside joke that you really get. It's a nod and a wink to yes. someone who gets it. If you, because I know you can get the fake labels, get the fake labels for those years made and put them on bottles and put them on a shelf. God, I want to put them on like the wrong, long looking bottles too. I want to put them on like <laughs> you uh, want it to uh, be completely the wrong. Chianti bottle. <laughs> put it on. Put it on an Aquafina bottle. 
Well, and then if you're going that far, then you have to rename it, and it's Dom Perry wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Comes out only in the years that it didn't get produced. Indeed. We have so many plans, guys. Oh, that's it. we got to make that a shirt. Just take the Dom <laughs> label and make it Dom Perry wrong. And, yeah, make it one of the years they didn't actually release. Oh, God. Don't give me ideas. Okay. Um, <laughs> until the 1943 vintage, Dom Perignon was produced from regular vintage uh, Moet and Chandon champagne that was transferred to the special 18th century style bottles after extended cellaring. It was, thus, effectively an... Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> it, it, what? I'm, I'm not even going to try to say that word. It's that word, release. Of Oniothique. My... I was going to say, that Brittany, that doesn't help anyone listening to going, like, I don't know what that word is supposed to be. O-E-N-O-T-H-E with an accent mark, Q-U-E. Oniothopter. <laughs> Ornithopter, got it. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so the release of that uh, vintage champagne in a different bottle. So, from the 1947 vintage, Dom Perignon has been produced separately from the start. In in 1971, the Shah of Iran ordered several bottles of the first vintage of Dom Perignon Rosé, which was 1959, uh, for the 2500-year celebration of the Persian Empire. A bottle of that champagne from that order was sold at auction for 24... uh, that's euros, right? Yeah. 24 euros. 24,758 yeah. euros. I don't know how to say euros properly, sorry. Uh, yes, in 2008. So that's fun. Uh, in 1981, Dom Perignon was chosen for the wedding of Lady Diana Spencer and Prince Charles. The magnums of Dom Perignon vintage 1961 served on that July 29th carried a special insignia created just for the ceremony. Imagine if you had one of those unopened today how much do you think that would go for at auction i just want to know how you would have snuck it out of the royal palace during the, or wherever the wedding ceremony was held i'm You're... sure there's a bottle or two of that that's set back or a case in the queen's cellar or the king's I'm, cellar. I'm picturing some you know some schmuck that's just working there you know you know in the 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 uh, uh gloves and you know, suit, you know, serving stuff. And as, as you know, after they've like, we need another bottle. He goes back there and he picks out two shoves one into like a, a potted plant and another he takes out and he comes back later. And wondering you where know, you were it. shoving that second one. And man, he had cheeks of steel. Can I hold that? Then baby he comes back the, out and shoves it up, holding it by the neck with his cheeks <laughs> all night. Been doing, been doing his <laughs> bun busters. What's there's some movie out there? Keister stashing it, <laughs> and it may even be like uh, I, I, I can't even remember where it, what what it is. Maybe like um, Better Call Saul or one of those. But anyways, there's like an old lady that makes the housekeeper come over and let her check her purse before she leaves. <laughs> I can't remember what it is, but it's like humorous to Arrested oh, Development. Arrested Development. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, that's I, exactly. that that sounds exactly like uh, uh, I forget. I can only uh, think of the actress's name now. I can't think of the character, but uh, the mother, Lucille. Gen- Lucille. Yeah, that's right. Because Lu- the Lucille, Lucille takes and Buster's Lucille hand. Yeah. 
Anyways, moving on to the wines that Dom Perignon creates, or the brand creates. Classic Dom Perignon uses only Chardonnay and Pinot Noir grapes in its blends, um, and decidedly no Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir? Mounier, maybe? Mounier. That sounds better. Uh, Pinot Mounier. One of the three common grape varieties used in Champagne. There's also some others that are like the minor varieties, but those are the three major varieties that could be used in Champagne. And Dom Perignon only uses the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Um, Most years, the blend is roughly a 50-50 blend of those two, but in certain years, the vintage favors one variety over the other, going up to about 60% for the favored variety. The grapes come from the home village of Hotter Villers, or Hot Villers, um, the location where the monk lived and worked. Now, this is in addition to some other grapes that they bring in to to fill out the vintage, but we'll talk about that here in just a second. Dom Perignon typically will spend at least seven years on the lees, which is those uh, basically the the dead yeast cells, allowing for a full flavor development, especially the autolytic or the dying yeast notes of bread dough, toast, and brioche. The wine regularly generates top scores and glowing reviews from the major wine critics. Richness and intensity are certainly two hallmarks of Dom, yet the wine sees no oak barrels during the aging process, oak having been phased out between 1959 and 1964. So the bread notes, taste and smell of bread is a big one for Dom Perignon, basically because of how long it spends in the bottle being being vintaged. Um, So right now, I think the most, I mean, there's somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but the most recent bottle you can buy vintage-wise of Dom Perignon right now is 2012. Like that's how far back you have to go to find a a bottle of Dom Perignon because that's the last time that they put it into a bottle and it sat around for seven to eight years before they were able to sell it because they wanted to get these dead yeast cell notes of bread, toast, brioche. You want to make sh- you want to be like vaguely concerned you're having a stroke when you're <laughs> yeah so, I mean, toast. toast. <laughs> so its flavor profile is just like this needs to pair perfectly with breakfast. We've got a this Ooh. has to you just has to scream mimosa. Oh my goodness! Oh, Dom Perignon and a mimosa is the most I don't care. I've got too much money thing I've ever thought of or ever heard. Um, in French classification of wines, there are terms such as Grand Cru and Premier Premier Cru. Grand Cru is the highest level of Dom Perignon used, uh, or is the highest level, and Dom Perignon. So this is like the best grape variety or the best uh, vineyards that are out there. It's really referring to where the, vi- the the grapes come from when you're talking about Grand Cru, and they're at the top of the line, the very best you can get. So Dom Perignon uses mostly grapes from Grand Cru vineyards for its brand. But due to the desire and history to use grapes in every batch from the original vineyard of Dom Perignon, the wine produced cannot actually be called a Grand Cru wine as the original vineyard is only a premier Cru quality. So they will take the hit on being able to call it a Grand Cru, which is is like a really big sign of this is a quality wine. They'll take the hit just to keep the name and keep the history of the, the monk himself. I feel like they uh... – 
they already have enough brand recognition. I don't think they need an extra grand crew on top of that. Exactly. As I was thinking through the whole process and everything about why they were doing that and writing it, I was like, you know what? It's it's like give me two more cents to to get rid of the five dollars more that I'm making because of the name. You know, um, now bigger numbers than that, but. Now, I will say to go back to the idea of uh, breakfast wine, I do want some Dom Perignon and biscuits and gravy. Jesus Christ. Let's do it. <laughs> I will, Oh, I'm down for that. Like, let's, let's all how we first started into uh, Utopias with that, like, pulling all of our money to get the bottle. Let's do that. And let's just make a big Southern breakfast. Big Southern breakfast with a bottle of... <laughs> Dom, yeah. Dom, Dom Perignon with biscuits and gravy, grits, eggs, bacon, and uh, mm. uh, uh, some uh, uh, fried potatoes. You're making oh. me hungry and horny at the same time. <laughs> Speaking of fried potatoes, tangent here. Um, potatoes O'Brien. What vegetables are in potatoes O'Brien? I've never had it. Whatever the replicator says on DS9. <laughs> So that was the quiz question, um, uh, work uh, trivia this past week. What are the quiz questions? Oh, okay. And there was some controversy on whether it was just peppers or if it was peppers and onions mm. that made it potatoes O'Brien. Huh. I, I, all I could think of was Miles O'Brien from DS9. So that's. <laughs> what else did he play in? He was also in TNG as Miles O'Brien. <laughs> well, <laughs> was there another show that I'm thinking of? He's been in some other, like that actor has been in some other stuff. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so he, he, he did his best work suffering on DS9 because the, the writers loved once per season to explicitly like torture that character. Yeah. I mean, you say there's, a, there's memes about that. Mm-hmm. I've seen them floating around. So. Let's move on to the rosé. In 1959, we see Dom Perignon begin to reach outside of the classic champagne into a rosé. The rosé has become widely sought after um, in a, as an addition to the brand, um, in some cases fetching well more than the traditional mainstream Dom Perignon brand has, probably because the lower amounts of bottles that are actually produced of the rosé versus the standard brand. Um, the first Dom Perignon Rosé was the 1959 vintage, but it was not commercially released, actually, and it's rarely, if ever, even seen. Almost the entire lot produced was sent to the Shah of Iran to be served as a celebration of the 2500th anniversary of the Persian Empire in 1971, as we talked about earlier. Dom Perignon Rosé was first made commercially available to everyone else in 1962. It is made using the assemblage method, which is preferred by many of the Grand Marquis. Um, this involves vinifying red wine separately. So you create red, red wine. <laughs> you create your standard um, Dom Perignon, and then you have a separate red red wine, um, and then you blend those you two together. So blend close to me. Before bottling, and then you do your secondary fermentation in the bottle. So assemblage, however, isn't just a case of adding a splash of red wine to a tank of champagne. The best rosés are are the result of a very specific viniculture and sympathetic winemaking. I have no idea, though, what sympathetic winemaking is. I'm assuming it means that you pay very close attention. 
It's when you uh, take two different wines, you cut them in half, and they are magically linked afterwards. So if you move one <laughs> wine, the other wine moves. It's a very, very deep uh, very physics cut right there. It's physics, you. name of the wind, and yeah. D&D magic jokes. Um, so the Pinot Noir that is used for the rosé... Um, and the red wine component comes from a dedicated set of vineyards, usually from the sub superb south facing plots in I, occasionally from Hotter Villers, uh, where Dom Perron was actually from and, or lived until he died, and then Boozy, B O U Z Y. Boozy. And rarely Verzenay. Sorry, I love the idea of a vineyard town called Boozy. I. Let's, it's let's gonna be go like Boozy or something, but I just like, like, yeah, I'm here to get boozy. Can I, yeah, I want to go so I can check into something on Untapped, drinking in boozy or boo. Is bougie as in bourgeoisie? Mm. Works both ways. The bourgeoisie. So, these vineyards in boozy and and hot villers um, or hot villet. Um, they are placed to maximize the phenolic maturity and include achieving the desired color of the skins. The target is to harvest grapes at more than 11 degrees potential alcohol compared to 10 degrees for Pinot Noir destined for traditional pressings. Such vineyards are exceptional in Champagne. And the reason why more Dom Perignon Rosé isn't actually made, the limiting factor in making that that blend is the red wine. The red wine vinification is loosely Burgundian, although the fermentation happens in stainless steel instead of the wood that would traditionally be used. The red wine component can be anywhere between 12 and 28% of the blend. The amount may seem high, but since this isn't a full on red burgundy, it's rather a very light red wine with low extraction and more smooth tannins. Um, that that isn't as big of a percentage in in the rosé. Aggressive- I'm red burgundy. <laughs> Burgundians. 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 The aggressive and powdery tannins are avoided in fine champagne as they completely subsume any subtle aromatic delicacies imparted by the autolysis process. So why even age out the wine eight years if you're just going to cover up with with really like – I don't want to call it fresh red wine, but more powerful red wine. Why even age it out that long? So that's kind of the idea is the Pinot Noir is a very light and delicate grape. Make that the wine that's going to be going into this process. Fresh red wine, you make me feel so fine. Yeah, never mind. So we talked a little bit about that O word, Oliev. Um, Oliphant. Oliphant. Um, I think Brittany may have had it. Yeah, it was the, yep. Oliphantastic. Yes. So that basically means that an it's an, or Onio, that's the one. It's an extra aged version of the wine. So... Dom Perignon actually does this, and it's crazy to think that, okay, you got Dom Perignon, which is a high in wine, but now you've got like the extra aged versions of Dom Perignon. So it's going out and being like, oh, yeah, give me the uh, the very rare scotch out there. Oh, it's, and now I want the 25-year-old very rare scotch. I was say, it's the Macallan plan. 
Yeah, exactly. So commonly you're going to get your, your Dom Perignon at about eight years old. Um, the brand, however, does release some extra age versions with some of their vintages. Now, not all, though. The called in, inside the brand, they call it Plentitudes. Um, that's the name of it. And on the releases, you may see it on the actual label as P2 or P3, which is the second release or second Plentitude, and then release three. Um, politics, politics, politics. That's right. So the second release or second plenitude is released after around 15 to 20 years of maturation. So take that eight years and then up it, double it, and that's where you're going to get into the P2 range. Um, This extra time gives a wider, deeper, longer, and more intense flavor to the wine. Um, It's gifted with an extended longevity according to the brand. My brain immediately added an uncut in there. (laughs) Bigger, better, more intense, uncut. uncut. Wider, deeper, longer, uncut. <laughs> Wait, what, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about wine or like a circumcision? Ooh. Um, don't want anything deeper, longer, more intense <laughs> on that. Uh, the P3 version um, may be released after upwards of 40 years of aging on the lease. Chris, so, I hear this, and all I can think of is Lupin the Third. <laughs> Did him a favor. It's vinegar. <laughs> At a certain point, you have to think like the yeast just dissolves into the alcohol. You know, <laughs> it's been dead for 28 years at this point. So, like, what's going on here? Um, while aging, like, you you can age these wines in your cellar. It's not the same as what they're doing. They're aging in the bottle, but they're still in contact with that yeast, and that's what's adding that extra flavor from the yeast cells in the trub in the bottle. It's that breakdown that's giving more and more of the bready, ye- bready and, and toasted flavors there. Um, that's why those are so highly. A dry wine and a very bready wine are two big deals when dealing with, um, with champagne specifically. So after this aging has happened... That's the point when they pull out the yeast plug and freeze it, pull it out, and remove it from the wine, and then they'll recork it and put it out for sale. So it's a very long process. Bop it. Hand it. I like to imagine that's how they they, they get it out. They just bop the back end of it, pop the cork out. Twist it, turn it, plug it, cork it. Pass it on. No one else remembers the bop it, okay. I no, it's the joke I'm making. I just also could not remember the the, the theme of the music. Bum 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 was the bop it when they twist it to hand it, pull it. I didn't actually have one. I only remembered it from the commercials. Oh, I had like two or three. I had the when they made it way too complicated, and there was the like, what was it? The fling it or twing it? It was a little Uh, squiggly one that you had had to flick, and it go. Yeah. And it was like, even like, I was like eight years old. I'm like, this is way too suggestive. <laughs> anyway. You had two boppets and you're just, you know, t- shaking them back and forth towards your head. One in each hand. No, no, those are shake weights. Oh, right. You were getting in shape then. All right. So that is Don Perignon in a nutshell. Learned quite a bit today. I gotta say, yeah. this... I'd say it. This closes us out for the year of educational content. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, and the reason we did Dom Perignon at this time of year, of course, is because champagne is so big for New Year's. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, apropos for the time of year. The one thing that I did not find any answers to and really was hoping um, to was, okay, between the death of Dom Perignon and the brand coming and being sold, like what, what happened? Did happened the, during like 300 years of them not doing anything with it? Yeah, like 1700 to 1920, whatever. Like, was it a brand? At what point did they say, let's make this a brand and then not really do anything with it? Like, what's going on there? Because I don't think they were making wine under the name Dom Perignon. I think they had a they, – they saw and they were like, oh, here's the history. Let's create this brand. And then they were like – you know, we we got the name for the brand, but we aren't doing anything with it. Let's just give it away as a, a wedding gift. Chris, really? I have a guess. I think you may have the same guess. During that time span, what would have happened to a uh, to an abbey that had? They got <laughs> plundered and wrecked. They got riggedy wrecked. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what did we learn last year going through all the all the abbeys on those French borders? They got Napoleon's. Effed. Yeah, sorry. Napoleon came and effed him hard. Then, uh, then, yeah. then, uh, 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 then there's you know World War One. Not great for Abbeys either. But by that point, they'd already existed and kind of split off. I would but, say yeah. um, somewhere along the lines, they hired a marketing team who found this history and were like, "Guys, exactly, seriously." And then I, it, it was birthed. I'm willing to bet I'm willing to bet that there's a part of that time where Napoleon comes through, takes what they want, and they go, Oh, I got some wine here. This is good wine. The state needs good wine. And then he, Oh, are we gonna keep the keep the, the place going? No. But take everything they know and we will do it somewhere else. I have no church in my house. Take everything they know, put them on the rack. And uh and then Don Draper came in and Yeah. The rest is history. No, this is... I, I really learned a lot because I had a lot of misconceptions. I'm sure most people one. do, yeah. I gotta say, uh, a strong one to close the year out. I gotta say, this year, we learned a lot. Like, I thought we knew some stuff about Scotch, which was our focus for the year. Turns out I didn't know... I didn't know Scotch, which was blasphemy. Didn't know moonshine. Didn't know champagne. Champagne. I'm really surprised about the champagne thing, though, honestly. All right, let's find which one of us uh, may have uh, splurged to drink to style. Sparkling Muscatel, one of the finest wines of Idaho. Uh, Would you taste it for us, please? (laughs) (sighs) Excellent. <laughs> Wish we'd have actually gotten some uh, sparkling muscatel. Muscatel, we're gonna have finest to wine that. of Idaho. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and do what I'm drinking: the... water and <laughs> yeah. uh, and Nyquil. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Right. It's a true cocktail right there. It's about time for some Nyquil, actually. <laughs> He's time, he's ready for a top off. I could probably enjoy some muscatel cuz I love muscat grapes. And I didn't I thought it was like a fake thing, but there's a sparkling muscatel. 
There, I, well, I guess you can make it sparkling, but it, it's true. <laughs> Something about it being from Idaho makes me think that it's made of potatoes, and I know that's not what it is. Oh, I just then immediately go. I don't. My brain is like a potato growing climate is not grape growing climate. <laughs> like those two things do not mix in my brain. Terroir so, is very. Muscatel, Muscatel. Well, we need an episode of Muscatel now. Um, but it's a list. But it, in the Wikipedia article, it says here at the end of Prohibition, in order to meet the large demand for wine, some poor strains of Muscat grapes um, were mixed with sugar and cheap brandy to produce what has since become infamous as wino wine. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not going to say I don't like the idea of wino wine. Put it on the list. That's uh, next year, 2023. <laughs> Want to know what else is on the list of 101? What? Mad Dog 2020. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, I gotta say, there's no way it's not Mad Dog. <gasps> we do Mad oh, Mad Dog's no. on the list. No, no, no. Mad Dog 2023. List it. Mad Dog. We're doing Wild dog. Irish Rose. Oh, we. We're gonna have a rough year. I was in a liquor store <laughs> once in Florida. Sorry, not a liquor store. I was in a gas station in Florida once. And <laughs> same thing. Same, same thing. thing. Yeah. As many know, um, liquor stores can sell liquor while gas stations typically. I don't know of any state where it is allowed where you can sell liquor in the gas station. It may be the case in some. I'm just not aware of it. But they sold little tequila and rum shooters at the cash register. And what it was was wine that had been flavored with tequila flavoring. Oh, my oh, good Lord. And so it was like 18% tequila, quote, unquote. <laughs> Jose Erno. Uh, uh. I don't know. But it was just not not the same. Not, not doing it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, spoiler alert, we were not drinking to style. So we are drinking a Scourge from Off Color Brewing. This is a native fermented Belgian style imperial stout, 9.9% alcohol, a gravity of 21.5, IBUs 25. I love the breakdowns Off Color give on their bottles. They're like, hey, you want to know absolutely everything we did? Here it is. Uh, Maltz. Imperial Stout? Yes. Uh, so wait till you hear about this. Uh, so Maltz, Mary Sauter, uh oh God, Kara Munich 3, Dark Crystal, Dark Crystal 2. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you're looking at Dark Crystal, Skeksis you, are getting involved. <laughs> you, Dark Crystal 2 is probably the same as a Crystal 120 anywhere else. When you're in... The U.S., they label it by the color that you're going to get out of it. When you're in European malts, they just name them one, two, three, four, or in this case, it's crystal one and two, and then dark crystal one and two, I'd so like it's to, at the darkest. Mm. I'd like to petition to rename those things as Skeksis. Uh, then Cara Aroma, Chocolate, Kiln, K-I-L-N, Kiln, yeah. Coffee. Uh, roasted barley and flaked oats. Hops are nugget and autonum. A H T A N U M. Yeah, like basically like you're getting ready to spell autumnal. Okay. Only you're missing the last couple letters. Uh, secret techniques fermented with native wild yeasts, originally cultured, cultured. 
from blueberry skins. So I found, uh, I happened to find on Untapped a, like a nice lengthy description here. So Scourge is a fermented study to explore and better understand how our isolated native yeasts harvested from Michigan blueberry skins respond to different styles of wart makeups. Expect Wait, a... is off-color Michigan? No, the Chicago. No, they're, they're really close to Chicago, so, you oh. know, other side of the lake. Uh, expect a brash frontal assault of dark cocoa powder, freshly roasted coffee, and baked roadside pies, tempered by the alluring summer flowers and blueberry nectar from our native yeasts. So specific. French kiln Roadside. coffee, French kiln coffee malt, and classic British chocolate malt, coupled with the fermentation derived blueberry juice aromas, reminiscent of natural processed Ethiopian coffees, to create a blueberry mocha amalgam. <laughs> Mid palate notes of peach. Oh, I don't even know what that word is. Telecherry? <coughs> uh, black pepper and velvety gardenias succumb to a full bodied and fudgy but dry roasty finish. The dichotomy is balanced by the warming alcohols <laughs> indicative of its Russian Imperial Stout slash Belgian Strong Dark Ale hybrid parentage before fading into the inky, warm-strewn blackness of an abbey felled during the summer of the late rosé. Jesus Christ. I did not realize that off Clarler employed poet laureates. (laughs) (laughs) Their beer descriptions and their label art are the absolute best. I don't know if I can get this. Like, I don't know how, if the label will come through, but on Scourge, it's a giant rat laying siege to a castle. It's glorious. Their label art is amazing. I would say like, seriously, I, it's almost unrivaled. I love like, I don't want to call it simplistic. There's just something about it. I love it. But this beer, like, I think I gave it almost a perfect rating because it's almost perfect. Quite good. In my eyes. Like, just a, a non-adjunct stout. And it's just, like, what my soul has craved. Like, all the interesting flavors that, it's in the, uh, that they employed a poet laureate to tell you about in there. It's like, no, I would like drinking it. I hadn't read that yet. And I was drinking it. I was like, there is definitely some kind of fruity thing. I'm like, are you, you, there's no adjuncts in this? I was like, what's going on here? And it's like blueberry skin derived yeast. And I was like, that's got to be what I'm finding in there. It's like, cause there's definitely some kind of fruity, fruity bit showing through. But otherwise, it is like dry oh. roasted coffee. Yeah, I'm bits. sure there's a lot of the, um, a lot of the yeast derived fruit notes there too. But that, Dark Crystal 2 has date as one of the descriptors okay, for it. Okay, big time, yeah. You get that. Date, raisins, that sort of There's flavor. A big like stone fruit going on in that. I'm loving it, though. Yeah. It's... Bottle's gone. It's empty. I'm now sad. Uh, I've been holding on to that one since 2020, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, it's a good one to hold. Yeah. So uh, that was a... I think I got that one on a Black Friday purchase before I went up. Yeah, before I went up for uh, Dark Lord, and I met up uh, 
with one of our good friends up there, and he had graciously picked up my off-color order for me. Nice. Which uh, I had also ordered some things, which uh, are still sitting in the fridge because I'm just honestly dead scared to open them because there's like an Old Bruin and some things <laughs> like that. I'm like, oh, God, no. I don't want to drink it. Uh, Eat a big salad dressing with it. <laughs> oh, God. I, sh- I should have given you those, Casey, to uh, dump into the batch of all the beer that I... Oh, had. my goodness. Um, we'll talk after after the recording. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, let's move on. Uh, well, we didn't get Brittany's thoughts on the beer. No, I said it was good. Yeah, I said it was very good. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I can't do adjunct stouts right now. I'm not going to say any more. There may be a time, but I just can't. Brittany is the anti-poet laureate today. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's, it's fine. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm not drunk enough, and also, like, my ear still really hurts. <laughs> I'm just oh. like, I'm, I am focused elsewhere. But, yes, it was a very good beer. <laughs> All right, well, Justin, uh, what did you have that's not Dom Perignon? Uh, I already water. told you, water. Okay. Nyquil. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Good. What what vintage of Nyquil? <laughs> well, I ran out of my Nyquil, the 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 traditional like green. Yeah, the green bottle one. one. Uh, and so I'm using uh, the leftovers that my roommate had, and it's uh, the red. Uh, one which is not good <laughs> the green one is what is the proper you know. yeah i i since i'm i'm able to leave tomorrow i'm going to go to the store and pick hey, up some go and tough time just go boil some cheap whiskey and honey together and get you done just boil some cheap mortar and pestle some uh uh a couple of tylenol <laughs> some whiskey and honey and i uh, mean Make it Motrin since you're mixing with the alcohol. Yeah. Okay. That way you're good. There. I mean, they aren't. Ten <laughs> percent alcohol already in the bottle. All right, uh, Casey, what'd you do? I had a whole bottle of champagne. Champagne. Um, actually, not really champagne. Uh, California sparkling wine. Yeah. No, not champagne. Not champagne. Um, I went I with get, the mum. I get real mad when California starts calling it champagne. <laughs> I uh, went with the Mum Napa Brut Rosé. Um, had good ratings. It's pretty good. Um, although when I first opened it, I feel like it's one of those that you uh, champagne. Like you go immediately from opening to pouring. Like that's the way it goes. Like the show of opening a bottle of champagne goes right into here's your glass. But after I let it open and sit for a few minutes, it had less of an alcohol flavor to it, and I think that that was was a lot better. It didn't taste as like sharp alcoholy after it sat for a few minutes. Hmm. Um I also poured aggressively into glass and that helped a lot, but it was really good. Not bad. 12.5%. Um and I figured since we were talking rosé a little bit today, it was a good place to go. Sounds good. All well, right. uh, I was going to say today's episode was written by Casey Price, uh, using sources from the BBC, the Dom Perignon website, and some other history sites he managed to find as he cobbled this together. Yeah, at some point I stopped like 
tracking where I was going because I would find a I would find a phrase or something that would be like, oh, the Shaw bought these in this year, and I was like, oh, well, we need to research that too, and <laughs> and got down the rabbit hole and seeing what happened there. So, um, yeah, just a little bit all over the place, but. If you want some more like this and subscribe and get some great resources, you can go to haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. And you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, or you can, uh, you know, just there's a state that if you consume enough NyQuil, you reach a hive mind with other sick people. You can give me the messages that way. I'm currently still in that state. Justin will receive <laughs> Yes. All joking fun aside, we like to remind everyone, please drink responsibly and don't don't drink alcohol while uh, you're on medication. Don't don't OD on NyQuil. Acetaminophen is uh is rough on your liver. Yes, and uh, this time, check us out in another couple of weeks for the next live episode and the last episode of the year. And for a while, um, I guess we can throw it in here. We're I guess we're taking the first, roughly the first quarter of next year off because we did good. Roughly, this, but roughly, yeah. uh, we have condo things to take care of. Like we have to like remodel a condo, uh, <laughs> literally so. rip up floors. Yeah, we'll be back for. I guess the was the last time we had a break was that was that season two. Uh, it's been a while. We went. I know we went this whole past year with no extended break. Like we we hammered a lot of pre recording and we would yeah. pre record and do it like we we did it. Like congratulations, everybody! Round of applause. <laughs> we like kept the schedule. Send the troops home. Yeah, send Mission them home. Accomplished. So we're gonna take a bit of a breather because it's a lot of alcohol. So uh, we're going to let our livers rest after New Year's Eve. Mm, after yes. New Year's. We're Dry gonna, January. We're going to punish them New Year's Eve. Yeah, so just another reminder of that. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. We are going to be live for the Diamond Club New Year's Eve streamathon, and um The power hour of Dark Lord. I want to say, I guess just tune into our Twitch stream because of the whole not hosting things anymore. Um, with Twitch, that's so weird. Uh, also, you can check out haveadrinkstore.com. We do have our uh, the, the Christmas sweater pattern thing up the, on shirts and sweatshirts and whatnot. So, and you can still that, get the uh, Oktoberfest drinking team jerseys. True, true. Which all proceeds will go into the streamathon. They all go to charity. Everything up until uh, probably our stream. I'll say after our stream. Yeah. Um, because by the end of it, we'll uh, we'll push that money on in. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's no year on it, so you can get it and wear it for next year if you want for the Oktoberfest. Yeah. You know, so yeah, they they are great shirts to be out in the heat, sweating it. That's like basically what we were looking for in them was yeah. oh, can I can I be out porch drinking in this, getting all sweaty while drinking, and they are beautiful for it. Yeah, we tested pretty comfy. Tested in the forge of Oktoberfest Zinzanetti. Yeah. There's got to be a sweaty balls cocktail. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm sure there is. All right. Well, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Got, got the cough off the off mute.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> I never know if I want to go with the uh, hi-hat ride that he's doing mm-hmm. or the cowbell. I always do cowbell. <laughs>